Our Thanksgiving text is Psalm number 84. Psalm number 84 for our Thanksgiving text as we consider our theme today of giving thanks. I wonder if you go back in your memory bank, how far back can you go? How far back does your memory work? Now I have knowledge of what happened the day I was born. In February 12, 1955, I was born in a howling blizzard. But I don't remember that. <laughs> I only know that because someone else told me what happened. My mother, to be exact. I do not have memory of an event that far back. What are your first memories in life? And how old were you when you had the ability uh, to recall them on your own? My first memory goes back to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I was four years old before my family moved here to western New York. I have two distinct memories of that time. First, I recall my parents went to church and I was dropped off with two little old ladies during church. I do recall one of those ladies' names was Eleanor Sears. Mrs. Sears watched me. Not bad considering that was 61 years ago. <laughs> I can't remember the other lady's name. You forgive me for that. Those two ladies watched me until the service was over. The second memory I have is of a little girl my age named Judy Ward. I was madly in love with Judy Ward. And she was the pastor's daughter. So the earliest memories I have are centered around the church. When I was first cognizant and aware of the world around me, the memories that impressed me most were centered around my family going to church. We moved to western New York when I was four years old. I remember the first time we went to church, I was five years old. We lived on the south end of the Sour Springs Road. And I went with just my father and I to a little church up here on Fletcher Chapel Road called the Fletcher Chapel. I remember I had a cough that day. And the pastor asked me if I'd like a drink of warm water. And I thought to myself, why would I ever drink warm water? Uh, my first memories are centered around going to church. And my parents attended regularly and we went with them. It was a family habit, but that's not really the correct word for what my parents did. It was much more than a habit. It was a deeper and a spiritual purpose. They attended church because it was good for their souls. And I came to fully understand that when I was probably about eight years old. And this memory is a very vivid one. Because it has to do with my mother making an attitude adjustment on me. <laughs> she had a certain tone of voice and a certain forcefulness that went along with an attitude adjustment. So that she was very sure you understood what she was saying. I started it when I said, Mom, I don't really feel like going to church as much as we do. I'd rather stay home. Well, let me assure you, I never said that again. 
She looked at me with a very serious look in her eye and she said, whenever our family goes to church, you will be going with us and we will go to church every time the doors are open and that is what you will do. And then she added something that went like this. I don't want to hear that again. <laughs> so I had my attitude adjusted and reinforced by mom's stern instruction. Which leads me to another memory. Years later, I was down in the woods. My neighbor Jeff and I were cutting firewood together. I was kneeling on the ground sawing a log into sections. We did that on a Saturday. And I was thinking, tomorrow is Sunday, and I really don't feel like going to church. In my mind, while I was running a saw. At that time, I was attending a church that was full of stressful events. And I had one of those moments where suddenly you come to your senses. I said to myself, I can't believe I just said that. Eric, you got to do something about this. Now, maybe it was my mother's attitude adjustment coming back to me. But I think there's more to it than that. I think it was God helping me and God calling to me. And from that day on, there began a series of events that would begin in my life that would eventually lead me to be standing right here behind this old pulpit. So I've been standing here for more than 31 years now. And I, on this Thanksgiving Day, would like to explain to you how I feel about standing behind this pulpit for the last 31 years. As I was going over various Thanksgiving texts to use today, I came across Psalm 84, and it expresses my thoughts and it expresses my feelings and my hopes and my dreams better than anything I could find on this day set aside to give thanks to God. So we begin in Psalm 84. This is a song, you remember, taken from the Jewish hymn book. It was written, no doubt, by David. It smells like David. In many of our songs, like many of our songs, it has three stanzas, three verses. And the three verses of the song are separated by the word selah, which means simply pause, stop and think about it before you go on, which is exactly what we will do. So I begin in Psalm number 84 at verse number 1. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the course of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. I long to be in a place that God calls home. The tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, the courts of the Lord, he calls them, where services are held. And you may say to me, Eric, God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. And I would agree. 
But there is a place where God loves to appear, where his people gather in Jesus' name. God loves to be there with them. And he even said, if just two or three of you came, I'd come too. I promise to be with you. Yesterday I sat in a tree and I watched the sunrise. God was there. But there's something about the gathering of people, the express purpose of worshiping God, where his presence is felt in a more special way. And I would tell you this, I need it and I long for it. And I get homesick without it. It satisfies the deeper desires of my heart. And so, coming here is much more than a habit. It's a place I need. It's a place I love to be. As David says, I need it my flesh cry out for God. Verse 3. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee. Salah. Now David's tabernacle was a tent. That's where he went to church, in a tent. And the court of the Lord in that tent was outside under the open sky. So the birds, the sparrows and the swallows, came and made their nest round about the courtyard. And David said, I envy them. They live there every day. They raise their families right there in the church. And then he said, there's people who do the work cleaning up after sacrifices and tidying up the place. And uh, they had constant jobs to work and to do. And David said, I envy those people too. They are always doing something for God in the church. They spend more time here than anyone else. Many an hour, my friends, I have had in this church all alone. Sometimes cleaning. Sometimes decorating, sometimes undecorating, sometimes practicing music, sometimes walking through the building, thinking about who sits in this pew, who sits in that chair. And I remember people who have gone on ahead and left us. It's a very amiable place. That means it's a lovely place. Now let's go on to the second stanza. Verse number 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Now this psalm was written when it was Jewish law that three times a year you were required wherever you were to go and attend the temple in Jerusalem three holidays and the purpose was to go to Jerusalem and feast there was always a feast every holiday or holy day was celebrated with a feast there's no accident that we have a feast on Thanksgiving it is the old appointed way it was God's idea that when people come together for a holy day they should have a feast 
After all, the purpose of holiday was to remember things about God. And one of the things we need to remember is that God is very generous. He has a very giving nature. So nothing expresses God's generosity better than a feast. Lots of Jewish people lived miles and miles away from Jerusalem. And so it became the custom to go on what you might call a pilgrimage. Or that is you take a trip to Jerusalem to celebrate the holiday with a feast. That trip was a very exciting time in Jewish culture. People gathered in groups, traveled together, camped along the way. They sang songs as they were traveling together. It was a vacation. They went camping every night with family and friends. The object of the great feast and celebration of praise and worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And they loved traveling to church. So sometimes they went through dry country and desolate places. As the psalm calls it, the valley of Baca, which means a dry, dreary, dead, and desolate place. And it says, as they travel through it, singing and celebrating uh, in that dry and dreary place, why it becomes, he says, a well-watered place. They're like a well, a source of water of life. And that energy and life overflows and the dry places become full of water. Now what makes them so vibrant as they travel? Verse number 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. They're going to appear before God in Jerusalem. So the closer they get to Jerusalem, the more energy they seem to have. And they go, he said, from strength to strength. Now what is normal in life for you and me is that we go from strength to all tired out, right? Isn't that the normal way it goes? We, we start out strong, by the end we're tired and weak. You know that feeling, so do I. But not so when your goal is to gather in God's house. The closer we get, the better we feel. Now why? Verse number 8 is why. <clears throat> o Lord of hosts, Hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Because when we talk to God, and when we pray, He listens, and He answers our prayers. I want to tell you on this Thanksgiving, more than any other one, I am so grateful God hears my prayers. I'm eternally thankful. I'm eternally thankful that he answers my prayers. I say twos and talk for all or a thousand thanks that God hasn't forsaken us. God hasn't forgotten us. He will hear. He will come to my aid. Now my friends, I have seen a valley of Baca. That is a dry, dreary place. The first time I ever walked into this building, it was full of junk. It was dark, 9 o'clock at night. The only light that worked in the whole place was that bulb right there. There was no other ones that worked. As I looked around, I saw this old pulpit abandoned for 30 years. In 1959, this church died 
and they closed the doors. And when I came in, no sermon had been preached. No songs had been sung for 30 years. There were names on the window, little better than a monument in a graveyard. It was dry and dreary and dead. But God had a plan for this old building. And we went to work. We opened the building. Once again, the voice of singing was heard inside these walls. Once again, the word of God was preached behind this old pulpit. And it became alive and vibrant, going from strength to strength. And you know what I remember? Here's what I remember. Things like this. When John Wasnut gave his heart to the Lord when he was upstairs standing pews. It was alive and well. I remember when Wayne Dickinson gave his heart to God at a Good Friday service. Sitting right in the seat where Maxine is sitting right now. I remember those things. Where a vibrant life was coming. I remember a fellow named Steve. He was dying of cancer. And Louie went to see Steve and prayed with him in the hospital. He believed in Jesus. The reason he came to our church, he came to watch our fellows, Wayne and Bob Pask and Jeff, reshingling the steeple. That's why he came here. He was interested. And he told me he had cancer. Within a week he was dead, but he died believing in Jesus. Because of the vibrant life that came into this building. Bill Barton was diagnosed with cancer. Came here and found new life. Bill just died. And as he died, he raised his arms up praying to God. Thank God. Thank God. With God's help, we changed this valley of Baca, this dry, dreary, dead place, into a place filled with springs of living water. And as the government seeks to restrict and choke off the church, I promise you, and God promises you, these springs of living water will never go dry again. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was here for us to drink from those great springs. And for the future, as the old song says, see the streams of living water flowing from eternal love. Well, supply thy sons and daughters and all fear of want remove. Who can faint when such a river ever flows their thirst to assuage? Grace that like the Lord, the giver never fails. From age to age, we're putting this church into the hands of another generation who will see to it that this well never grows dry. Thank God for the next generation coming up in charge now, taking hold. Thank God. Let's go to the third stanza, verse 9. Behold, O God, our shield, and look on the face of thine anointed. We're talking to God and say, look, behold, look, God. God, our Father, will you look? I want you to look into the face of Jesus, your anointed one. And as the father looks at the son, what does he see? As old Charles Wesley wrote, five bleeding wounds he bears. 
received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Nor let that ransomed sinner die. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains and that the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day and there may I though vile as he wash all my sins away that's why we ask God to look at Jesus that's why we come to verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Day of all the week, the best. I'd rather be here than anywhere else on earth. And I'd be happy to be the doorman. And I'd be happy to be a waiter. I'll be happy to take any job because that world out there is no place for me. This is where I want to be. Now verse 11 and 12, let's finish it. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he uphold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed be the man that trusts in thee. God is a son of travelers back in those days going to Jerusalem. They loved the sun. It was good to travel under the sun. But what if it rains while you're traveling? He said, it's okay. God is a shield too. God will give us, he says, grace. God will give us what we don't deserve. And he will take us where we don't deserve to be. And so for your thanksgiving, here's what you need to know. No good thing will he withhold from you. So trust him and believe him and you will be blessed. We once again celebrate our thanks with a feast. Now you may say to me, Eric, the feast days, that was an Old Testament idea. But let me remind you that anything that Jesus did is the right thing. And Jesus went to feasts. He went to the wedding of Cana where he supplied the wine for the feast. He went to a feast at Matthew's house. He went to a feast at Zacchaeus's house. He went to a feast at Mary and Martha's house. Another feast at Simon's house. He fed 5,000, supplying the whole meal with his own two hands. He feasted so much, his critics called him a glutton. <laughs> and won't you be surprised? When we all finally get to heaven together, the first thing Jesus throws for us is a great big feast. Not one like you've ever seen before. Our first day in heaven all together will be called the marriage supper of the Lamb. A magnificent feast. I don't know how long it'll last, but it's not going to be an hour. I'll tell you that. It's going to be a long, wonderful time of feasting. 
as we gather together in his presence for the first time without a division between us down here and those people up there. We'll all be together, everyone that has left us, everyone that has gone ahead. We will join them all together and have a Thanksgiving feast up there, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I'm going to eat really good. (laughs) And so, with a true Thanksgiving feast, enjoy. Celebrate God's generosity. May God bless you as you celebrate Thanksgiving at your home and as we gather here to celebrate it. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear kind Heavenly Father, We are thrilled to be here. We need to be here. We thank you for this place, for the life that has flown out from it. We are grateful for those kind of blessings. And thank you that you took a dry old place and made it a well of living water. So we promise to do our best and never abandon that again. Bless us, Lord. And be good to us. We thank you. We can trust in you and know that you're watching over us. Bless these folks, everyone, because they have been here with us today. And bless those out there watching and listening that they may find the goodness of God coming near to them in this season of the year. And thank you for what you've done for us. We ask your blessing on us all. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We'd like to sing in closing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Page 809 in your hymn books. thankful to come to this place today. We are thankful for these people and thankful for the family that is in this place, for this building and all the blessings you've brought to all of our families and you've spread them so far and wide. But more so, we are thankful that you have brought life to us. These wells springing living water. You have brought this into our lives and brought hope where there was none. You have given us an opportunity in this little place, this little tiny place in the middle of nowhere, to have the life of God within us. We are grateful for that. 
May we ever stand for that. May we live in such a way that others know, no matter what happens out there, no matter what things are going on, that others know that we have that well of springing living water within us. We thank you for these things, and we pray that you protect all of our folks from this place. Bring them back. Be with us with our whole country. Protect us all, Lord. Put your hand on us. And may our, your promises come true in our lives. We thank you for all these things. In your name, amen. amen.